0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, senior NBA insider for HoopsHype.com and the host of the Hoops Hype podcast. The Brooklyn Nets came out of the all-star break, making the biggest splash firing former head coach, Jock Vaughn, and naming Kevin Ali as the interim head coach. With that in mind, I'm joined by my man, Brian Lewis, who covers the Nets for the New York Post to break down what's ahead for the team's coaching search. We'll talk Mikhail Bridges' future a little bit Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons time permitting. We got to get out of here because they're going to close the lights here at the HSS Training Center. And I see Brian laughing next to me. But Brian, I mean, first off, uh, like behind the scenes, there were some rumblings about players, in, including Mikael Bridges. And and I even heard Spencer Dimwitty when he was here still on the team and others that weren't totally thrilled with Jock Vaughn's game plan, centering around Ben Simmons, who's been injured for the vast majority of the time with Brooklyn. And now you go to Kevin Olley, who... When he was a player, was always identified as a future coach. He was a strong candidate for the Pistons job previously. Now he gets a shot with the Nets. I think it's worth noting that there were two other teams that had interest in bringing him on as an assistant before the Nets did as well. Um, Sources, at all Hoopsite. But now, Brian, we wrap up here and GM Sean Mark says there's no playoff mandate from owner Joe Sy for the rest of the season. You've written about it. I've certainly written about it. They don't want to tank and bottom out. So when you look ahead now, one, why do you think now was the time, you know, aside from maybe a 50 point loss and your star player calling a guy out and the game plan that this was the end of the Jock Vaughn tenure. And, and what do you expect from Kevin Ali now going forward with 28 games or so remaining coming out of the break?
1: Well, hey, thanks for having me. It's hard for me to tell you what, I expect because I haven't seen him coach on a professional level, right? I mean, we saw him coach at UConn and he was obviously resoundingly successful as a collegiate coach. Uh, But even on a professional level, we haven't seen him coach. Remember he was whatever his, whatever his title was like coaching supervisor or whatever it was of overtime. So I can't tell you what kind of stylistic changes he'll make, what kind of schematic changes he'll make. What I'll say is, the players clearly respect him and the players when they have had an opportunity to have responded to him you remember the Charlotte game he gives a speech before Orlando they go out and beat the tar out of Orlando so clearly this is a guy that players respect and respond to if you're going to ask me what kind of tactical changes he'll make it's probably a little bit too early for me to say that
0: he talked about looking for hunters on this team and the hunters are going to play. I mean, I thought that was a, an interesting quote. I mean, anything else you take away that um, whether it's from the Jock Vaughn era or what could be ahead from Kevin Ollie, that sticks out to you based on everything you heard from today?
1: Well, I mean, listen, I think Jock Vaughn is a classy guy. I think he's a good person. He's a genuinely seems to be a good man. Um, I would be, concerned right if he had been the coach for the rest of this regular season going into the offseason that things were going in the wrong direction right so when people say well why do you make this move now. Yes, Sean pointed to it, there is the all star break component where you actually have a couple days to get in some practice time Two. You alluded to the 50-point loss. It wasn't just the fact that you got the tar beat out of you in Boston. It was the fact that you're going in the wrong direction and players seem to be disgruntled. Publicly, they're disgruntled. And yes, privately, they were even more disgruntled. So I think the timing of it is we have to make this decision now before more damage is done and you have a toxic environment.
0: And now you talk about that environment. Part of the environment for the Nets is, it starts with the top of the chain and that starts with Joe Psy and Sean Marks. Now, you know, some rival executives have privately wondered about the future of Sean Marks in Brooklyn, but today, um, as we're recording this after Sean Marks' presser, you had asked him about his confidence in having the ability to hire a coach. And he publicly stated in reply to you that he's been given no indication by Joe Psy that he won't be making the decision. And I was curious from from that aspect, one, were uh, you surprised, like, at all that, um, you know, he's been given that power at all, um, given the way that things have gone for the Nets this season?
1: Listen, four coaches is a lot, right? (laughs) Let's just be honest. That's a lot. And especially when you're not talking about a situation where, I'm making this up, the Athletic director at University of Houston, where you're winning and your coaches keep getting plucked by power five teams. That's not what this is. This would be four coaches and you've got one playoff series to show for it. So that's a lot. Um, but heretofore, Sean and Joe have been very tight. They've had a very close relationship. He has enjoyed Joe's complete trust. All right. And anytime anybody's ever asked me whether, to my knowledge, Sean will be back, I have always emphatically stated, whether it was a year ago or the breakup of the big three, yes, he's coming back. Yes, he's coming back. I would get the question 8 billion times and the answer was always the same. Now, when people are asking me, honestly, I don't know. I cannot sit here now and say I have complete confidence that he will be back. I am not stating as fact that he won't be, I'm just saying, I don't know that he will be. It's
0: interesting too, because meanwhile, you've got Nets assistant GM, Jeff Peterson, who's a candidate to join the Charlotte Hornets front office. And, you know, another plausible scenario that has been floated out there within league circles is that maybe the Nets offered Peterson a title promotion to GM, with the caveat that Marks remains above him in the front office pecking order. For those who don't know, Marks is listed as Brooklyn's alternate governor and general manager, which I do think is an important distinction. Um, But if Sean stays, he's got to find a new coach. And I had asked him after hiring first time head coaches in Kenny Atkinson and Steve Nash, if he would look to maybe hire a guy with experience. Now, of course he says, no. it'll be a robust market. And we'll, we'll do our diligence and research, but I'll tell you this, Brian and talking with, rival executives around the league and other sources. There's a belief that, that a former head coach would most likely make sense if you're trying to retool instead of rebu- rebuild. And Mike Boonholzer is the name that keeps coming up at the tip of everyone's tongue when discussing potential net candidates due to the Spurs tree connection. He won a championship, and he's arguably the most notable name. Uh, you know, James Borrego comes up. Then you got some other guys. Uh I'm sure somebody will throw out Jay Wright because he has a connection to Mikael Bridges. But that's going to take time. He's going to need time. I don't see it. You know, you got first year guys that can make sense. Maybe in other situations, I don't know about here, but you know, you got Jordy Fernandez, coach of the Canadian national team, Dallas Mavericks assistant, Sean Sweeney, used to be a net uh coach previously. Um, you know, you got all these guys, James Borrego, David Yeager, et cetera. But here's my th- Chris Quinn, of course. And are they going to, do you think they're going to pay a coach? You want a top tier coach. You got to go about 8 million or more. You think the Nets have the appetite to go that far given where they're at right now?
1: Again, you know, I, listen, I'm not ever trying to be in another man's pocket. Right. But, <laughs> but I have to be fair. Joe sai spent over $300 million just in luxury tax payments since he bought into this team. That's a lot of money now. I don't think he built Alibaba by being a fool. I'm sure he's not interested in just tossing away money for no reason, but he has shown a willingness to spend. He has shown an appetite for spending as long as he feels he is getting at least a reasonable return on investment. So if Sean is making this higher and if he brings a candidate to Joe that Joe that Sean is sold on and Joe is sold on and the candidate, expects to be paid commiserate with a lengthy resume. I would be surprised if money is the thing that keeps that person from getting hired. I agree.
0: And, well, speaking of money, they're going to have to pay somebody. Sean talked about having a, not only looking down the line, wanting to attract free agents, but keep their own. He's unintentionally inferring Nick Claxton is that guy. Now, looking ahead, I mean, I've been told, obviously, Nick Claxton is a guy that, They envision as part of their core going forward due to his age, defense, and his upside, they're preparing to pay him, um, but he will be an unrestricted free agent. Looking at Nick, do you think there's a threshold where they won't go to keep him? Is there a number that they say, maybe we need to go in a different direction?
1: I think there's always a number for any player within reason. I mean, you have max contract guys where you, this is what I can pay, but Beyond that, or I should say, beneath that, there's always a number. I would say this, the reality of a Nick Claxton unrestricted free agency is something that has been foremost in their minds for quite some time. This is not something that just dawned on them on Valentine's Day. This is something they've been thinking about since last summer, worried about how are we going to come up with money, to pay this guy. We understand roughly what we feel his market value will be. And it's a lot of money and we have to carve that out and we have to figure out a way to do it.
0: I mean, that's, I don't know. I still think ultimately he's gonna end up staying here, but uh, another guy I would say that I think is certainly gonna end up staying here. Lord knows we know this from reporting on these trade talks with the Houston Rockets is Mikhail Bridges. And I'll say one thing. Brian, there seems to be like this kind of false narrative out there that the Brooklyn Nets are building around Mikhail Bridges is the number one option. Um, while Bridges is certainly a part of the core, and I would include Cam Johnson in that and Nick Claxton, uh, who, again, the Nets want to re-sign an unrestricted free agency. The ultimate goal is to add another star or two around Bridges via trade or free agency while Bridges is on a team-friendly contract for the next two years, uh, as far as I understand it. Today, uh, I wasn't sure if it was it you that asked him about. Uh, no, it was, I think it was your colleague at the at the post that asked him about his confidence in the direction. Yes. And so
1: read Denmark tomorrow in the post, by the way,
0: <laughs> because Brian is still on uh, vacation, even though he's here with us. But, uh, you know, Bridges said publicly that he wants to remain in net, and he wasn't raised to leave when things get tough. Um, I mean. I think it's pretty clear they're keeping bridges. We've seen that based on our reporting from the, the Houston Rockets trade. Do you see any way that that changes over the summer? And if it doesn't, how do you, how do you think they can get another star? And who do you think maybe would fit that bill that they would go after?
1: Okay, so you're throwing this to me because you know this is riling me up here. <laughs> Reading comprehension, folks. When Here's the thing. When it's been reported – that McHale Bridges, that the Nets see McHale Bridges as a foundational piece. That does not mean that the Nets are saying, well, we have to ensure that he is our leading scorer, Oh, we have to make sure we don't get any player that's better than him because it will, he'll get in his feelings. That's not the point. What they're saying is when we look at our long-term plan, when we look at laying the foundation for what we feel will be a competitive, contending team, we expect him to be part of that foundation, a major part of that foundation. There are some players who can score or are skilled or are good, but stars may or may not want to play with. Mikhail Bridges is the sort of player who can be very effective and very useful with a lower usage rate who will do some of the work that makes the star better. Like that in is, Phoenix. like in Phoenix. That is why there are a number of really good players in the NBA, dare I say stars, that would like to play alongside Mikhail Bridges. That is one reason the Nets find him so valuable. That is also one reason why his value around the league is so high and why so many teams are offering hordes of first round draft picks for him.
0: Any idea who particularly those stars that want to play with Mikhail Bridges are?
1: I'm not at liberty to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you have an idea.
1: But I have an idea.
0: I certainly believe there are some out there. I think the big question people are going to have is down the line, is it going to be a Donovan Mitchell, for example? Because you have to wait and see what happens with Cleveland in the playoffs. And obviously a lot of teams are chomping at the bit, mm-hmm. thinking that you know there's a shot that he would want to leave at some point. Uh, but I certainly think it's predicated on what happens with Cleveland and the playoffs, you know, he's talked about it when I've seen him in, in Barkley center, even as well, that, you know, it, it all depends on the playoffs. They got it as a team, they got a good group, but you get judged on the playoffs. And I think that's certainly fair for, for him and, and that team. It's two more guys. I want to touch with you on before we kind of shut the light. And, uh, I think the first one we'll start off with is a guy who I think can help them get a star, but it's via trade. It's Ben Simmons because this summer he'll become a forty point three million dollar expiring contract to dangle for next season. Now, um, you know, obviously coming into the year, his his agent Bernie Lee um, had kind of spoken to you at in the New York Post and somewhat hyped him up a little bit. Uh, coming into the year and and then he got hurt and now he comes back and he's returned to form. Do you see Ben Simmons as, obviously he's going to be here the rest of this season, but looking ahead, do you see Ben Simmons wearing a Brooklyn net uniform at the start of the 2024 dash 2025 season?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not sure that Ben knows. Um, I think
0: Sean Marks knows.
1: I don't know because here's the thing you'd have to tell me what he looks like the rest of the year they've got 28 games is this a guy that plays i'm not listen i'm not wishing ill on anybody i want to be clear Mm -hmm. is this a guy that plays 10 of those games he's not playing back to back right Is, is this a guy that plays and i don't have their schedule in front of me but 23 of those games and basically only sits back-to-backs and plays pretty much every other game and is playing 25 to 29 minutes and playing exceptionally well in those games, there's a big gap there. And here's the thing. For as much grief as Ben Simmons takes for his lack of availability, here are the facts. The facts are this year, granted, small sample size, minute sample size, they're 500 with Ben Simmons playing right without Ben Simmons I think they're I don't have in front of me but I think they're about what 15 and 27 without him that's a glaring difference and it's I think there's a clear causality there I don't think that's just a fluke or you look at the schedule and they're playing little sisters of the poor every time he's playing he makes them that much better now the question is can you count on him can you rely on him do you really want to bank a big portion of your schedule or of your team next year on that right now again doesn't mean that you can't trade him next year right it doesn't because it doesn't matter at that
0: point that the contract is the contract right. that's the value exactly
1: the contract is the contract so i wouldn't necessarily assume that just because he is on the roster on opening day right that that means. The Nets have decided, well, this is it. We are a Ben Simmons team. We are tying our future to Ben Simmons forever, and we will never trade him. I would not make that assumption. He could be on the roster opening day, and he could be gone by Christmas. That's not out of the realm of possibility, especially if the point of moving him is to get a star. Let's be fair. When Kevin Durant asked out in, I I don't June, he didn't get traded till the deadline. James Harden did everything in his power to get out of Houston, just acted a fool. And it took until January to trade him, right? It is not impossible that they could be eyeing or angling on a move over the summer that doesn't get made until the new year. And Ben is part of that deal. There are a number of ways that could go. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't pigeonhole this and just put it in a neat box. Even if he doesn't get traded, though, his contract could just expire and they can use it as, as cap space. Well, I've repeatedly said that everything that they have said, and more important than what they've said, is everything they have done, implies to me that this is a reset for 2025. And I have not seen or heard a single blessed thing that has changed my opinion of that.
0: Last one on that kind of a yes or no here. Does Ben Simmons remain with the Brooklyn Nets past the expiration of his contract?
1: That would be mildly surprising.
0: I agree. You, you put it poetically uh, justly. Now there's one other guy that I think you and I talk about a bunch in the media room about his future with this team and it's Cam Thomas. And I thought it was hilarious when I asked Kevin Ollie specifically about Cam Thomas and his future, that he said that Cam Thomas gave him a hug after practice today. Cam Thomas has fluctuated, had a fluctuating role with Jock Vaughn and he gives Kevin Ollie a hug after practice. Now, the big—I'm always a big picture guy. You know this. I think in the summer he'll be eligible for a contract extension. I don't think. It's going to get done. I think it'll, I think Cam Thomas is a guy that the Nets could potentially include in a trade if it's worthwhile for them. But I don't know right now if they're going to make an aggressive push to get a contract extension done. I'm sure there will be talks and I will circle back with you and report on it months from now when it's eligible. But I don't, my gut tells me it's not going to get done. What does this move of Kevin alley being the coach mean for Cam Thomas this season? And what do you think is his long-term positioning with the Brooklyn Nets franchise?
1: What do I think Cam's long-term positioning is? Cam Thomas, yeah. Uh, that's a good question because Cam, listen, I do think the move from Jacques Vaughn to Kevin alley may work out for cam i do think cam has the opportunity to have a fresh slate and to earn kevin ollie's implicit and complete trust with his play with no preconceived notions that Jacques may have had about his defense or about his passing or anything else um as far as his long-term future here i would agree with you that yes it would be wise for them to at least be proactive and initiate some sort of talks, extension talks this summer. I don't know that I'm a betting man, so I'm not going to say whether I think they'll get done or not done. I think they'll initiate them, whether they get done or not. I don't know. Um, but what I would say is this, um, when, you, when you talk about moving camp, because you mentioned him as a potential piece, Cam is one of the most unique, no, he's not one of, I'm lying. He's the most unique player that I've dealt with professionally since I've been on the NBA beat in terms of his wide disparate value throughout the league. If I go to 10 different guys in the league and ask them what Cam Johnson's value is, they pretty much all are going to say, give or take the same thing. If I ask him what Mikhail Bridges value is, they're pretty much all gonna say something similar. I've had scouts that have wildly different views on Cam Thomas. So I think there are teams that value him exponentially more than other teams. So when you're trading him, it becomes more complicated because when you're trading, you know, whatever, doesn't matter. If you're trading Nick Claxton, if you're doing a sign trade Nick Claxton, I think everybody knows what Nick Claxton is. So it doesn't matter where you're sending them because you're going to get commiserate value with cam you have would have to be really 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 careful and do your homework on where you're sending them because you send them to the wrong place they just don't value them as much you send them to the right place yes so that makes any trade more complicated that means a three-team trade now all of a sudden has to become a four-team trade or a two-team trade has to become a three-team trade
0: to your point i have one gm whose team faced the Nets. And he told me to Cam Thomas was the best player on the floor for the Nets that game. I've had other GMs say that, Hey, he's got to improve as a defender, which I think everybody certainly would say, and he knows it. he's, he's doing the work to do that. Um, and at times he can, his shot selection needs to improve as well. But Brother, they are literally going to shut the lights on us in a in a in a minute or so. But I wanted to thank you for joining me, brother. And I think after the season we'll certainly do something more in depth. But I appreciate you, man, because I know this is a, a day off for you.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. We'll definitely get together in all season. We'll do this.
0: My man. I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members like Brian Lewis, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Brian, too. He's at NYPost underscore Lewis. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.